Thank you for joining us. Just as God created the earth, he created heaven. We already know how majestic the earth is because God allowed us to see it. Even with all of its problems, because of sin, the breathtaking beauty of earth is undeniable. In our finite minds, we cannot imagine the splendor of heaven, even though we know it exists. As Pastor Rander speaks to us today on the magnificence of heaven, have your Bible pen and paper handy as you will want to record what awaits the children of God when we get there. Who will be in heaven? That's a real question we need to pose. Who will be in heaven? Number one, only those who are in Christ will go to heaven to live forever with him. Only those who are in Christ. My friends, you're either in Christ or you're out. You either know him or you don't. You either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You're either sheep or you're goat. You're either a saint or you ain't. My friends, only those who are in Christ will go to heaven to live forever with him. John 8, 24 says, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins for if you do not believe that I am he, he who believe that I am God. Jesus is more than a prophet. He's more than a good teacher. He's God all by himself. Unless you believe that I am God, you will die in your sins. You must believe that Jesus Christ is God all by himself. Acts 4.12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name can one be saved. We can't be saved by your name, can't be saved by my name, can't be saved by Muhammad's name. Uh, Harry Krishna, any other name. Only Jesus saves to the utmost. Amen. Acts 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way. There are not many ways to God. You know, if there were many ways to God, then that would negate the work of Christ on the cross. Why would, hold it just for a moment, y'all. Just why would Jesus die on the cross for your sins and my sins and the sins of the world and then turn around and give people many ways to get into the kingdom. Is that a valid question? My friends, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who will be in heaven? Number two, those who surrender their lives to the Lord and seek him first. Those who surrender their lives to the Lord and seek him first. Absolutely nothing should take priority over our Lord and our God. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus first in your life or are you first? Is it your children? Is it your wife? Is it, you say, listen, Jesus should be at first place. You say, above my wife? Yes, without Jesus, you wouldn't have a wife. Without Jesus, you wouldn't have children or grandchildren. If my job is first, well, let me tell you something. Without Jesus, you wouldn't have breath or energy to work that job. He should be first. As a matter of fact, when you get saved, when you get born again, Uh, the first agenda of the day is getting you out of God's way. If If anyone desires to follow Christ, you must first deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. Absolutely nothing should take priority over our Lord and our God. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You trust God, you believe God, God will take care of the necessary things that you need in your life. As a matter of fact, he'll not allow you to lack any good thing. He will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Amen. Who will be in heaven thirdly? Those who obey and keep the commandments of God. 
those who obey and keep the commandments of God. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14 says, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. The only one getting through the celestial gates into heaven are those who keep the commandments of God. My friends, are you keeping the commandments of God? Are you doing what this book say do? If this book say don't do it, then you what? You don't do it. This book say speak right, you speak right. Book say behave yourself, have good conduct, you what? Have good conduct. Book say don't steal, don't steal. Don't kill, don't kill. Don't play around, don't play around. You see what I'm saying? You do with the book. Only those who abide by this book, believe this book, those will enter through the gates of the city in heaven. Fourthly, who's going to heaven? Those who keep their eyes fixed on Jesus and believe his promises will endure and not lose heart. Those who keep their eyes, what? Fixed on Jesus and believe his promises will endure and not lose heart. In Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility. Say hostility. Have you ever had hostility against you on the job, by your boss, or by another member of the church, or uh, in your family, or wherever? You, you said, you just don't understand what I'm going through. But Jesus understand because he went through far worse than you could ever go through. Consider him, the Lord Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Every time you feel like you can't make it, it's getting too hard. Think about Jesus who suffered so much that you would have the right to eternal life, my friend. Number five, who's going to heaven? Those who refuse to settle for cheap worldly substitutes. Those who refuse to settle for cheap worldly substitutes. We must not get so comfortable loving the passing pleasures of this world, but rather hold on to those things which, are, which have lasting eternal value. There are people who just love their stuff to the point that that rules and reigns in their lives and all the things you can acquire in this world are mere cheap substitutes. You get iPhone 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, cheap substitutes. You got screens, big screen TVs, 10 inch, 20 inch, 40 inch. Now people got 200 inch TVs. All you can walk in a room and you just see nothing but TV. The TV is bigger than the room. You know, you, the clothes, the, the fashions, the designs, the golf, the fishing, the sports, the football. I told the first service earlier this morning, there was a time I was a football fanatic. I would watch on New Year's Day, you know how they have all those bowl games. When I was a teenager in early 20s, I would watch all those games at lunchtime. I would, I would go eat some chitlins and some collard greens and black eyed peas for good luck and all that kind of stuff and watch the game while I eat and burp real good. But now if I see a game, it's fine. If I don't see a game, it doesn't matter to me. And uh, it, it just doesn't matter anymore. Why? Because only Jesus really matters. Now, if it, is it wrong to see a game? No, 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 no. No, no. It's not wrong to play cards or dominoes. It's not wrong to have fun. Jesus is not some big kill joy in the sky that's trying to make your life miserable. You say, anyway, why does Jesus put boundaries in my life? Why does he say, don't do this, don't do that? You know why he does that? He does, because you're his child. Don't you put that, that beautiful little baby in that purple there. When that baby gets up sometimes, you, you're already putting some 
perimeters around her. She touched something that's, that stove's too hot, you tell her not to touch it, she keep trying to touch it. She cried. Why? You, you, you trying to safeguard her from getting burned. So these perimeters are loving and kind in order to preserve our lives so that we would have a better quality of life to the glory of God. Without rules and regulations and guidelines and commandments, we would destroy ourselves. There have to be perimeters in our lives to the glory of God. Why don't you say amen? Oh, my friends, Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your heart? Is it on, is, are you building up treasures in heaven? Are you hoarding everything for yourself to, to the detriment of not having things, treasures in heaven. First John 2, 17 says, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. My friends, what makes heaven so fulfilling is that never again will anyone desire worldly pleasures and earthly possessions because they all will have passed away and we will be totally satisfied living in the presence and glory of God. You, you won't be in heaven and say, oh, I missed the game. You won't be in heaven and say, oh, no more Sears, no more Dillards, no more Papa Dodes or Basies. No, 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 no. Being in the presence of God will bring sheer delight. It will be sheer, sheer, sheer joy to be in the presence of God. The scripture says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. Being with God will be everything. You'll be gazing at the glory, and, and, and there's no time up there. It's timeless up there. We only deal with time, space, con- continuum right here on earth, but heaven's no time. But just imagine, what if you've been there 10,000 years, so to speak, that's nothing. And being around Jesus will be everything. Who's going to heaven? Only those who live holy before a holy God will inherit the kingdom of God. Only those who live holy before a holy God will inherit the kingdom of God. Psalms 24, 3 through 5 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. My friends, you're not going to accidentally get to heaven. You get there through Jesus Christ alone, and you get there uh, abstaining from sin. It is critical that we all confess our sins daily and ask the Lord to cleanse us with his precious blood from what? Sinful thoughts, sinful words, and sinful deeds. You've thought something wrong. You've said something wrong. You have what? Done something wrong. How many of you thought something wrong, said something wrong, done something wrong this year? Y'all had to go back that far this past week, maybe even this morning. Maybe even sitting in church today. Today. And you know what? You have to repent. You have to plead the blood of Jesus. You need to tell God exactly what you've done 
and plead the blood of Jesus Christ over those sins so that you won't be held accountable when it comes to standing before Almighty God. Who's going to heaven? The persons who are going to heaven are those who know what to run from. And some of you know you've avoided a lot of trouble because you ran, and some of you ran into a lot of trouble because you did not run. And some of y'all still in recovery right now because you didn't run soon enough from that man or from that woman or from whatever was messing you up. Why don't y'all say amen? From that friend. That you can have friends that even say they love the Lord. You need to be running from. Sometimes you, they, they, they're a hot bag of mess, and when you hang around them, they mess you up too. Won't y'all say amen? Run from what? Let me tell you what to run from so you won't be confused. Flee, says the scripture. Flee sexual immorality, sexual sins, uh, homosexuality. It, run from it. Uh, lesbianism, run from it. Bisexuality, run from it. Adultery, run from it. Premarital sex, having sex, not being married, run from it. You think you're going to heaven laying with everybody acting like a dog? You're not going to heaven. You're going to bust hell wide open. And I'm not apologizing for it because that's what the scriptures say. Why don't you say amen? I want to see you go to heaven and you got to abstain and you got to know what to run from. Run from what? The love of money. Some folk love money so much that they'll go shopping rather than worshiping God in spirit and truth on the Lord's day. Nothing wrong with going to H-E-B, but you got all six days to go to H-E-B. You can go to H-E-B after you worship if you want to. But some folk go to a restaurant and won't come worship. Some people worship the God of TV. My, my friends, you need not to love money. Say money. Some of you can never get enough of it. Enough of it. You're killing yourself. You're working overtime of 40, 50, 60 hours a week neglecting your family, more responsibility, out of town more, and latchkey kids because of money, 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 money. You can't, you, you money hungry. Look how quiet it got then. And money is ruling your life. I want to ask you a question. How much is enough? How much money does it really take to satisfy you? And another, you ought to run from covetousness. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Covetousness. Never can have enough wanting that which someone else have. Uh, they get a better car with more bells and whistles. You want it. They wearing this. You get it. You know, it's comparison. It's competing. You can never be content with what God has given you. You can't be satisfied. Covetous, 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 covetous. You can't deny yourself. I mean, the impulse come on you. You can't tell your Body, we are not going there. Some of you covered foods. You can't get enough to eat. You eat too much. It's not just money. You can crave a whole lot of things. Crave women. Crave sex. Crave all this stuff and never have enough. Evil thinking. You need to run from it. You know, the church is now, if you don't let the word of God rule in your life, and if you don't memorize the word, internalize the word, it is so easy to engage in evil thinking. You can think evil of one another. You can think evil of me. You can think evil of your wife, your, your husband, your children. You can think evil of your family. You think evil of your neighbors. You can just think evil. And you know what? The Bible, the Word of God, kicks that evil out of your mind. 
That's right. It purifies your mind. And people that can do, can think evil and then perpetrate evil is because they have a deficiency of the word ruling and reigning in the heart. Evil thinking, ill motives. You can be in church doing seemingly a spiritual thing with a bad motive to be seen by men, to have people give you the accolades, stealing God's glory, uh, ill motives, rebellion. I'm not going to do it. I heard what that preacher said, but he can't tell me what to do. Why we got to do this? Who told him? You know, you can just go on and on and on and you make God sick with a rebellious spirit. Ingratitude, unthankful. If you were thankful, you wouldn't find yourself engaging in other thoughts and delving in areas that's consuming all of your time. And you find yourself drifting, being grateful that God saved you, grateful for the Bible, grateful for the body and presence of the Holy Spirit, grateful for forgiveness, grateful for, for mercy, being grateful for the Word of God, the church of God, being grateful that you're here in America where people are over there running from ISIS and all of this stuff, being grateful that you're not getting your head cut off and you're not being sawed into and you're living out in the elements and you're complaining, complaining, complaining. Why don't you trade places with those folk over there? You will hush your mouth right quick. Why don't you say amen? Amen. But then hate. Listen, your life is too short to be hating. It takes a lot of energy to hate. And you put yourself in a self-made prison. You do yourself a great disservice and you're shortening the days of your life and you're a candidate for stroke and for heart attack because your emotions are always stirred up and riled up because you hate me. Because you hate me. Racial prejudice. You ought to run from it. I see in this audience, I see Hispanic couples. I see black couples. I see black singles and white singles and I see browns. I see interracial couples. That's okay here. And we love it when interracial couples come here. That's just good and proper. That looks like the church. Why don't you say amen? And don't you worry about somebody being married to somebody of another race. That's their business and get out of their teacup. And, and besides, you, you black and can't get along. <laughs> you know, be, so be thankful. Be thankful. I mean, there's no place for racism. Stop saying white, the white man held me back and all that. You can be blinded by blackness. Now, that's not popular. You can, I'm not a Democrat nor a Republican. I'm a Christian. And I'm going to tell you the truth, whether you pout on it or not, you need to hear it. Why don't y'all say amen? I'm not going to sugarcoat nothing. I'm not, listen, I've got, I'm too old now to be scared of you. If you, if you want me to get through preaching fast enough, you better smile because when you wrinkle your face, I'm not getting through it. It makes me preach longer. <laughs> My friends, nobody's holding you back but you. Nobody's holding you back but you. By, by the way, if you get to heaven, it's interracial. That's right. And if you go to hell, there, there are mixed folk down in hell. That's right. It's all mixed up down there. There's a whole lot of folk going to hell. All different races, all ages are going to hell. So you might as well learn to get along here. If you go to heaven or hell, you're going to have races there. Man, it takes too much. And I asked a question in the first service. I said, listen, if you, were, if you needed a heart and a donor came up, and you, you, you only had days, but a donor came up at the last minute. Y'all already know where I'm going. And uh, the donor, the donor was, was, was white, and you were black, and you, but they had a good heart. 
would you not receive that heart simply because it was out of a black man or vice versa? You say, give me that heart. Who cares about the color? He can be poking out. If it's functioning, that's right. If it's working right, it's raising right, ticking and it's all that, put it in. Put that baby in. You would care less. Because on the inside, we all have lungs and spleens and livers and livers and all of these things. You don't care. God created us. And we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is a a God of diversity. What if everything, the world was all black? It would be so boring. It would be drab. If the world was all white, all brown. I'm so glad God is a God of diversity. I don't know what to do. So if you're a racist, and you got some quiet racists, they're they quiet. They ain't gonna let anybody know that, but down in there, God see your heart. And, and God asks a question, how can you love a God you've never seen and can't love your brother that you see every day? Huh? Huh? I'm just, that, you run from racism, run from slander, speaking against people erroneously and hurting them, gossip, hearsay, half-truths, sharing with somebody else saying, and then it changes color as it goes down the road. Gossip, grumbling, grumbling is a dangerous thing. It has no place in your life. It has no place in the Lord's church, has no place in your family, and it has no place on your job. Grumbling against your boss, grumbling against your supervisor, just grumble, 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 making everybody else miserable. Stop grumbling, grumbling is a sin. Miriam, the sister of Moses spoke against Moses, her brother, and God judged her for, for going against the authority that God had put there before Israel. She grumbled against Moses and leprosy fell on her. She was put out the camp and the whole Israelite community had to stand still because that sister of Moses grumbled and God didn't even let the sister get by. Now, wait a minute. If God won't let that sister get by, what about you? Grumbling is a sin. And it is a dangerous sin. And some of you have grumbled so long until it has become who you are. It defines who you are. And you know why you grumble like you grumble? It's because you are not grateful for what God has blessed you, for the days he has put you here for letting you see your children or your children's children or your children's children, for having you in your right mind. Thank God. When you start thanking God for sunshine, thanking God for the rain, thank God for a pillow, thank God for... When's the last time you thank God for hot water? When's the last time you thank God for cold water? When's the last time you thank God for clean water? There are people overseas walk days just to get some clean water, my friends. And you sit here, you got... You got Phones in every room, you got televisions in every room, two or three cars, you got, you got air conditions all over the place, thermostat. Matter of fact, you can just clap your hands and the lights come on and clap your hands and the lights go off. You got all this stuff. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like Who's he? Who's she? I don't like that. My boss said, he go again. Well, won't you just leave? Just don't stay there. You know, the worst thing you can do is be on a job complaining and grumbling, making everybody miserable because you're miserable. Just leave. You ought, listen, I'd rather make half the pay and be happy than to make three times the money and I am so miserable. 
There's some people who make good money, but they don't like their job. And they're just staying there because of the what? That's not why you stay there. If it's fulfilling, you enjoy it, you do it. You don't stay at a church like that either. Make everybody miserable, you miserable. Everybody see your face all look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. Ain't nobody like you like that. They run from you. You scare them. Grumbling is dangerous and you're right for judgment from God. Sowing discords, sowing discord on the job, in your family, with your siblings, in the church, in leadership, discord, putting stuff in folk hearing that's to the detriment of leadership, the pastor or whomever, to to the detriment of the church, rising up in pride, making your own self the authority, hypocrisy, wearing masks, being one way at the church and you and you are and you exact opposite you're the exact opposite at home you get get in the car and you're short cutting your wife you're sharp with her or you're sharp with him you never never tell your wife you make me sick never tell your wife uh, uh, or your husband it's none of your business the day you go again you big dummy and all that kind of stuff you don't do that never call your child stupid and all this why don't you say amen you know, you can do a lot, but, but in the church, here you go. You're looking around with a big two-tongued Bible, dressed up, looking nice, looking so spiritual. My friends, God doesn't say look spiritual. You be spiritual. You don't look holy. You be holy to the glory of Almighty God. Say amen. God is real. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, the indwelling Holy Spirit becomes alive in us. And as indescribably good as that is, the best is yet to come. In heaven, God himself will live among his children. No more problems, no more pain, no more preparing for the worst, because the worst will no longer exist, nor will we remember that it ever did. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Palmverse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.